Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. So today's podcast, we have Jennifer Gallagher, single parenting solutions owner and parent coach, but I will say a fantastic, fun, dynamic personality on Instagram that makes parenting seem kind of fun at times, <laughs> definitely humorous. So that's how I found her and welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking the time. Pa- making parenting fun, that's a real gift. <laughs> that's like a superpower. Yeah. Um, no, it's a- so today we're going to talk about transitioning. There's certainly so many changes that go on when you're going through a divorce. You're focused mostly on kids between the ages of zero and eight years old, so newborn to eight. So why don't you define what is transition in your mind as parent coach mean? So um, transitioning, when we talk about um, from a child development standpoint, it's when a child goes from one event to another, and usually the event is going from a favorable event to an unfavorable event. And that's where you have the challenge, the difficulties with their, um, their mood, their behavior. Um, it, and it also can vary in different degrees. So that is just the simple definition of transitioning. But children of two homes and in a co-parenting family, they have more tradition, a trend, they have more transitions than children of a two-parent home because of going from home to home. And then also if they're both parents work, they go to an extended care, um, so, so on and so forth. When you say it, it's uh, going from a favorable situation to an unfavorable situation, I mean, is that like meaning that generally one parent's house is the favorable situation, going to the other parent's house is the unfavorable? Is that always how it is? Not necessarily. There is, there is some type of, um, I guess, degree where favorable parents come into play. And that happens throughout childhood at different times, different stages. Sure, that's natural. Multiple of multitude of different things, but it's really of stopping what they're doing to go to do something else. So give us an example. Give us an example. So if your child, um, so the concept of time is really difficult for little kids. Mm -hmm. So you can prep them, you can prep them, you can prep them, but it comes to be five o'clock and it's time to start getting in the car for drop off. And they hear you, they hear you, they hear you, but they have this idea that they have to keep playing or build that Lego tower one more time. And they don't wanna stop what they're doing, even though they love their other parent's house. They wanna see their other parent, but that Lego tower takes precedent over that relationship you know, because that's what they want. They're very egocentric. They're, they're very in their own world. So they're not really thinking of the big picture. They're just thinking of what they're doing. So doesn't that kind of safeguard them? Oh, absolutely. Like that's like almost like living in a little bubble of protection, Mm -hmm. right? If, if it's not going to affect you as much, you're not going to be as in tune with 
transition and back and forth? I mean, like, what are the, what are the age breaks for when generally, obviously every kid is different and every divorce and parent situation is different, but in terms of development, like between obviously newborns are relevant, but you know, in terms of their developmental sensitivities, like where's the breaking point between zero and eight? Well, so in general, just if you would have your child come to sit at the dinner table, you might have a very big explosion, but now going from one home to the other home is an extreme degree because it's another world. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that children communicate through behaviors. So, and that also has to do with temperament of a child, like you just said, that there's different degrees and things like that. Um, and then it also could just be based on they're hungry, they're tired, they're overwhelmed, overstimulated. So there are so many different factors, but the whole challenge is that they communicate through those behaviors. And it's, it's, it's a challenge for parents to decode what's going on, you know, and yeah. also help them navigate through their distress. I remember when my, so my kids were two and four when we were getting divorced. And so navigating some of those typical childhood transition situations was, you know, all wrapped up in everything that we were dealing with. And I do remember like my, my son definitely had it. What, and I honestly don't even think that it was necessarily divorce related. Like he was the kid who'd be playing whatever and you'd tell him we were going to be leaving at x time and then so like when it was time to leave it seemed like it was so abrupt and then he'd have a meltdown so we always used to have to like focus a lot on his transitions from you know getting ready in, in the apartment to going to school to going wherever it was going to be all the time um i feel like one of the things that helped us or i've led myself to believe helped us with the transitions from one home to the other was we kept the same nanny and she just would go back and forth with the kids. So whoever's house they were at, Nori was there. And I, I really think that for them, it was like a very calming presence. Like they never had to worry really, it didn't really matter where they were going because she was always the one who was taking them there and was there, was you know helping getting them their meals and bringing them to school, whatever the, the situation was. So I feel like we, we inadvertently handle a lot of the transitional stuff from home to home in a way that I hope benefited. I, I always joke, I'll never know how screwed up my kids really are until they're like in their thirties in therapy, but they seem to be pretty well adjusted. <laughs> that is so beautiful that you had, you know, that opportunity to do that because it's, it's that figure who's that comfort figure. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, a person is way more important, but it's almost like having their baby blanket go back and forth which right. is difficult in a co-parenting dynamic because the grown-ups are responsible for the child's things and having those necessarily come back and forth with all the other stressors going on. And if you lose it, you're so screwed. It. Oh, you're the worst parent. You're going to be the least favorable ever. Yes. That's um, we had two um, yep. uh, secure stuffed animals um, it, uh, his George, uh, curious George, I had bought one when he was an infant, one for our home and then one for his dad's home. So yeah. that's a tip. So what are some other tips to make kids feel secure with the transition? So 
Because children are visual learners more so than auditory learners, having a visual calendar is very, very important. And it's been very effective in our particular situation with separation anxiety, um, just at different times between my uh, ex and I. Mm -hmm. And then also in um, just the parenting coach you know, realm and child right. expert realm. So this would be taking the actual images, photographs, because it actually, because they're, because um, it puts the image in their real life situation. So taking photographs of the, the different things that they do, like we have. Um, like if they play a sport or something or like do exactly. gymnastics. But we even go from the beginning of the day all the way through the rest of the day. So wow, that's yeah. some calendar. <laughs> photo, it's on the. It's on our. Um, it's in a very um, accessible place. It's at his eye level on our fridge, and it's with these little magnets. And it takes him from brushing his teeth to getting dressed in his uniform for school, his door to his classroom, and oh then. Oh my God! You literally have a picture of the door to his classroom. Yes. on your calendar. Yes. Wait, Jen, you're going to have to take a picture of your calendar so For we can share, share it with yeah. this podcast because right. that's like, it's a lot of work, but I guess it, it saves you a lot more heartache than the amount of time you have to put in to make it, make it. Yeah. And the, the thing too, is that because there are more transitions, usually children, young children of divorce and separation have an even more difficult time going to school which right. would be, you would think, oh, you know, just school is normal. But because now they're going from parent A's house to parent B's house, and now it's another place they have to go to. So it's even that, in addition, that creates a difficulty. I know we experienced that in our family. Um, when it was time for my son to go to school, there was major separation anxiety just arose from that. Right. Because each parent has a different way of getting like, has, you can have all the pictures you want up there, but the way routine. that one parent communicates versus another is going to be totally different. So now your morning routine is already different, even though it looks like on the calendar, everything should be the same. Well, mm -hmm. dad doesn't make me this and mom doesn't do this and whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in addition to a calendar photo calendar or color-coded calendar, I guess, depending, maybe an eight-year-old doesn't need the pictures, but a four or five-year-old might. Yeah. What, what are like other must-dos to try to ease all of these transitions for kids? Because that really has to be the most difficult part for the kids with divorce. So bedtime is an extreme vulnerable point for any child, any young child. And it's at the end of the day, they're cranky, they're overwhelmed, overtired, um, regardless of how well they ate that day or anything like that. So bedtime is a very vulnerable time. And especially if they have separation anxiety or that preferred parent that they're not with at the time, mm -hmm. those big feelings and those big emotions come out at a greater extent. So what I do, I recommend for my clients and that what I do personally is having a night-night book and it's just like a dollar store um, photo album. And my son and I went through, and we've done this at different stages of development so that you know they're more relevant photos. Right. And we go through and we pick out all the photos of him and I together. And then I put them all in that photo book and he keeps it by his bed at his dad's house. And that if he misses me, that he can look at it. 
And do you have one at your house with the pictures of his dad? He, I follow his lead, so he chose not to. However, at our home, we have photos throughout his room okay. of him and his dad, yep. and then a few pictures of me, the, the three of us. And then we have photos in the living room and then on the fridge, which is our, our right. visual calendar, there's a photo of his dad. So we have- Isn't that hard for you? I did that same thing. Yeah, well, I think, it, but it depends on the situation. Like you definitely have an okay. amicable divorce. I'm not sure as much as I would like my kids to be comfortable. I'm happy to have it in their room and in their space. I don't necessarily want pictures of him around my house. It's challenging. I also have them strategically placed so where <laughs> I have a gallery wall and the pictures of him with his dad are at his level low. <laughs> and then also the photos in his room have this like very artistic filter where it almost looks like a um, cartoon, like, <laughs> kind of like a, um, like an art piece. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of yes. helps I'm looking at his face all the time. Right. Exactly. Right. I'm curious though. I mean, and I don't know that this falls into transition. So I was smiling when you talked about bedtime, not because of what you said and, and because we actually, we had something similar and I did a picture up, but the whole idea, which so many people listening have to be able to relate to, I had bedtime. It was this time and they would be at their dad's and that's not when bedtime was. And those kinds of schedules and the idea of the rules being so different in one house to another and us having so many arguments over it. And at the end of the day, who has to give in? I had to give in because my ex-husband was like, you can't micromanage what I'm doing in my apartment with the kids. I'm a good dad and they're not in any danger. And if I'm gonna let them stay up until 9.30, I'm gonna let them stay up until 9.30. Mm -hmm. And it would kill me inside. Yeah. What is your, is that, does that qualify as transition? And, and what do you tell people? How do you handle that? Absolutely. It also plays into the whole point where house rules and house um, parenting styles are extremely confusing for little kids. Mm -hmm. So you, this whole concept of you should know better really doesn't necessarily apply. And it really doesn't apply to young kids in general. It doesn't because, work. No, now that they <laughs> Even have- Even on adults, two, it doesn't work. Yeah. Now that they have two different bedtime routines, two different places to, you know, maybe garbage cans or, or different expectations of everything, mm -hmm. um, it's confusing. And so taking a hands-on approach, which is what I help my clients with, is literally just- doing in your family and then communicating to your child the different house rules and this is what we do at our house but in a calm way where if they're confused to have more patience with them and just explain hey this is mommy's rules remember at mommy's house we do this and daddy's house you do that you know and it that's the biggest argument though that's one of the biggest i don't want to go back to mom's house she makes me go to sleep early she doesn't let me play video games for more than two hours yep. she doesn't let me have lucky charm cereal in the morning she makes me eat only healthy food no soda who wants to go to mom's house and then i'm like the bad person for having rules which sucks right it's almost like we always have to be the ones to give in because you you have no other option because you want them to be able to come back to your house. And, and also I can't have that conversation in a calm manner. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and also, so the way that I always thought about it was, well, they're, they're with him Wednesdays and every other weekend. So still the majority of the time, they're not eating Lucky Charms. They're not drinking soda and they're going to bed when they, when I say, and they're whatever, but, but that pushback, even in my own home is like yeah. annoying. So frustrating. It's annoying. For little kids though, if you get creative, you can almost kind of divert the conversation in a playful way to bring up all the points that they have fun with the other parent. Mm -hmm. So in our particular situation, mommy's big on um, dramatic play. So we dress up, we, you know, go outside with um, water blasters. We do all those kind of like very big fun things, draw, make things. Um, but with his dad, he does a lot of sports activities and they go on nature hikes and they, they really get, you know, dirty in the mud and all that kind of stuff. So when I approach it, like, I wonder what type of adventures you're going to do at daddy's house that helps him transition easier and have that, I guess, sense of calmness by leaving me. And then he becomes excited to go to the next place. Yes, but your answer is indicating that yours is the favorable house. And so what do you do when you're the unfavorable house and the kid doesn't want to come to yours? You can say, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And and they don't care because all they want to do is like eat the junk food, play the video games and go to sleep at 930 at night. Right. So how do you, as the unfavorable disciplinarian parent, do, I have, a, yeah, and I have an add-on to that just to make the question even more complicated. Then they're coming back to my house after they're cranky from going to bed late right. and being at school all day. And then I have to clean up the nightmare that's come back to my house after that. This so was when I would, it. this is when I would do the, <laughs> the <laughs> remember? <laughs> they like, you wouldn't be going to flip the bird? So how, no, Jen, lay it on us and everyone else listening. Well, at, in the beginning of my son's turning five. So in the beginning of my son's dad and I have been co-parenting since day one, we had broken up since when I was pregnant. So we've been starting this journey from day one. And in the beginning, my son, um, I guess you would say that I was the favorable parent. So he spent more time with me. We had a, you know, I also you know, kind of speak his language, that kind of thing and have different expectations upon him. So I was the favorable parent. However, in the past six months, since my um, son's dad started, you know, dating and now they've become a blended family with a little girl who's eight, that little Mm. girl is also his playmate. And so now I went from being that preferred parent that like, I want to stay at mama's house to now, like every morning when he wakes up, even though we have that visual calendar, it's, is it a daddy day? Every morning, you know? And so now I'm not that, that preferred parent, but it, the way, it, it does. And that, that's an, another thing where triggers come into play yeah. and all that kind we'll of stuff. We'll talk about triggers. So yeah. I think you have to get a dog. You gotta one up it. <laughs> He's got an eight year old. Or have you a baby. You have to get a super cute dog. I call a dog or a baby. One of the two. Yeah, dogs are, you could put a dog anywhere. You can't well, put How do you handle that? Well, we go yeah. to Legoland a lot. So we go, um, we go places a lot. It's a lot of pressure though, to be like, yeah. what am I going to dream up to trump 
sorry for the word, everybody mm -hmm. and name, but you know, the other parent, like you feel like there's a little bit of a competition because you just, you just want to be validated that what you're doing, your child loves and, and, and you want them to be comfortable in both homes, but you always, everybody always wants to be the one who's like, yeah, a little bit better, you know, than the mm -hmm. other. Well, and that's where that whole shift um, comes into play, like within us as parents. And I take it as if he, if my son is unloading on me and if my son is having a hard time with me developmentally, that indicates that he feels safe enough yeah. to release all of his energy on me, no matter how uncomfortable it feels for me, but that I have the privilege of being his safe person. So, so Jen, I want you to hold on to that for a really long time because I was rationalizing that for a long time. And I still do hold that true. My children are now 21, 20, and 17. But just remind yourself, or I'll call you when he turns about 12. And then you're going to be like, you know what? I'm kind of maybe over it. I don't need to be the safe space. I'm going to teach you how to be the safe space now, okay? So maybe start working on that now, how to train your ex, how to be that safe person too, because it's a lot. It's a lot. That's, That's all I'm saying. I'm just giving you a heads up for what's ahead. It's all good. But those, I, I just, I remember very vividly. They're like, well, he's safer in your home. He feels more comfortable. You know, he's not going to lose you. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't take it. Yeah. So, uh, well, but I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> it's such, I, you know, it, it's something that every parent in divorce deals with. I mean, obviously, no matter what ages your kids are, but these are really like the pivotal years, you know, that zero through eight. So thank you so much for sharing all that information. For anyone listening, if you have questions about this specifically, please send them to us. And if you are interested in reaching out to Jen, we have all of her contact info on the site, xexperts.com. So um, it's single parenting solutions and she has all of your solutions. So, and you can blame her if it doesn't work out all that well. <laughs> Um, no, but, but Jen is a real life expert too. So right. she does get it because right. she's coming she's from that place. So, right. you know, there's nothing like hard knocks, you know, training and living and learning it. And so she's, she's living and learning it too. And being part of that community. I mean, we're all always asking our friends anyway, advice and different kinds of things. So Jen is definitely part of the community because she really is in the thick of it. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the ex-experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.